Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast with yours truly Mr. Stephen Hesse and thank you so much for checking out this latest edition. And this is a bonus in a sense. I know I haven't released a podcast uh, for a few weeks because of reasons. Um, looking after my mom is still as complicated as ever which I talked about on this last solo podcast that I did. Um, so obviously I'm going to talk about that very very soon. Still waiting on a couple of people to get back to me in terms of guest appearances. So as a compromise, I'm thinking I'll try and get as many done in March as I can, more than usual. Um, so I thought, because we did this as a one-off through Mentally Sound, that I thought I'd release this as an example of Mentally Sound, the other podcast I do, to showcase how awesome that show is getting. Um, because we did this as a special for Time to Talk Day, uh, which was at the beginning of February, so hopefully um, you guys heard about that. We tweeted about this an awful lot, and we got a 45-minute chance, <laughs> which should have been an hour, um, which is missed, actually, because we didn't record for the first 10 minutes, so it was a complicated experience. But to fill you guys in, uh, I do another show called Mentally Sound, which is a radio show on Spice FM here in the northeast of England, and we decided to do a special because usually we do it every second Friday, 12 till 2 p.m. Uh, on Spice, completely live uh, over the FM airways and on the interwebs. And then we release it as a podcast. So we decided, because it was a special mental health day, to go in the studio and do a spare hour. Okay, see you with us so far? Good. Rhetorical question, but I'll answer it for you. And uh, yeah, so me, Ricky, it was Ricky's suggested, uh, who co-hosts with me and is on this podcast a few times. And yeah, it was a great idea. So we went and did that. Unfortunately, there was some sort of strange situation where the two people from Spice didn't communicate to each other, and there was a double booking. So this guy called Jerry was doing a news, West End News show, I think it was called. And he very kindly agreed to delay the episode by, uh, to, to, he was doing a two hour show, so he stopped an hour and 15 minutes and gave us 45 minutes. So what this is, is the 40 minute plus conversation that me and Ricky had with no breaks in between, because we wanted to basically sell Mentally Sound to that audience for that time of day, because we don't usually broadcast that day on Spice and on the interweb, so... This is what this conversation is. So we talk about the mentally sound, we talk about our own mental health experiences, so um, hopefully this benefits somebody. And this is minus the music, because I'm not allowed to, I don't have a license for that. Um, but if you go and type in mentally sound, you will hear not only that unedited version of what I'm about to play, the audio of it, but um, all the shows that we've done for mentally sound. So if that sounds like fun, please do check it out. Um, and obviously, if you like the sound of this, and aka me being a host of a podcast, then subscribe to this. Uh, podcast, which is much more frequent than Mentally Sound. I know it hasn't been recently, but that will change fairly, very soon. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed doing this. Um, I love doing Mentally Sound, so I hope it's as good to listen to as it is to do it. And um, that pretty much covers it. So um, we're also going to release another uh, Mentally Sound, the real February show, very soon as well. Uh, so listen to that as well. Um, so loads of Deep Potless podcasts coming up very soon, but this is a special Mentally Sound episode. We did the audio only for me and Ricky. Enjoy! Thank you. 
he was one he's one of the few MPs who's been open and honest about his mental health uh, situation and he's talked about it in Parliament. Um yeah, just I just think um I I, I just think of the guests and even like people on the front line, the charities involved, uh, service users. Um when you when you mention mental health radio show it's like wow, that's it seems like a new concept when really when really it, I don't think it, it is as new as it sounds, but it's ref it's still refreshing here that something like this goes on. So when they agree to come on and they're open and honest, it's just a pleasure sitting next to them and having a discussion. I say have a discussion, not not ask questions, because going back to uh, the, the the kind of scripted thing we were talking about before, mm -hmm. what I like about what we do is we have a, a generic conversation. We have a, a chat. We don't have a, a grilling of, of, of questions and you know and, and make it sound like a boring Q and A. Because yeah, because like I think people fall into the mistake of you know we said this all the time that like and I'll get back to the the examples you gave because there's a lot of them. Is um yeah I just think. You know, it's whenever you see, like, if you go on YouTube and you see people, like, being film, like uh, being interviewed for 10-minute film reels, you know, to, like, to talk about that film. And, you know, I, actors get this a lot where, you know, they, they've got a limited time because they're doing 100 interviews in a day. And they just get asked the same generic boring stuff. Like, you know, so uh, did you enjoy the film? Did everybody get on? You know, what was craft services like? And they just like, I don't care about any of that. Like, I, I actually, like, you know, um, I mean, I, I like... The, one of the reasons I love doing hosting and interviewing, interviewing is like my, one of my greatest pleasures in my life. I, I love interviewing people because you ultimately learn, and the the best thing you learn about other human beings is why people make the choices they make, and that is a very great learning experience, and it requires knowledge, like knowledge that you can apply to your own life and the people around you, and like that's what makes it exciting to ask like the real fundamental questions, you know, like stuff like you know. And I know this is going to sound like maybe to some people like this whole, well, it's just the philosophical nonsense you're about to describe of all these questions that don't really mean anything. But they're ultimately the reason that they are philosophical is because they're hard to answer. So, like, you know, what's the meaning of life to certain people? You know, and for mental health, that's actually a fascinating question because you usually find that people might just go to survive or it might just be to get by in life or it might be to be um to be functional functioning in life and um to make to contribute to people to contribute to society and mm -hmm. you know there's the, there's all sorts of reasons why people ultimately do what they end up doing mm -hmm. and that's what's interesting and that's in terms of interviewing so even like you know if you interview like an actor or something actually like asking them why they took a role and why it interested them yeah. is in in my sort of way more interesting than the film itself yeah. because you know if you talk I, I, I guess what I'm sort of saying is they treat some people sometimes interviewers treat people as objects and basically a means to an end whereas I actually like talking about the person and that's something you'll notice if you listen to any of the old mentally sounds or any mentally sounds we've ever done is that we obviously stick on point and we ask questions in relation to why they're here but you usually find me towards the end of an interview in particular where I go like and they get startled but I think that's the most interesting aspect. I, I asked them, why did you decide to be in charity? Like, what? why did you decide to take that job? And we've had varying degrees of answers, and I yeah, think that's I fascinating. Yeah, I noticed that's a particular yeah. question that you have in reserve, don't you? Yeah. In, in terms of recent shows, you always kind of look at the individual and say, so tell us about your background and how you got into that. I think that's a good... Well, yeah, because I'm thinking that, that, that they came here. That's how I look at it as, as a host of a show. So I go, like, they came here. What what makes them tick? Like, you know, are fascinating, yeah. and I think it's always... Yeah. To we like, to, I can give you a great example of that. The recent one is that um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm terrible with names, so forgive me. But the girl who runs there uh, is it Francesca? Was it the woman who did um, 
the Chinese side. side cinema. Yeah, was it Francesca? I'm is it Oriana? Ori- all right, I'm, I knew I was going to get that completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, the woman who does all the, um, she was on a few shows ago, and uh, she she um, did does all the. The, the recommendations for the films that you get in Tyneside Cinema. So we had her on to talk about the winter schedule um, of shows that they were going to do. Um, so maybe in the Christmas episode, wasn't it? I think it maybe, maybe, yeah, the December one. Um, so yeah, so, um, so we got her to talk about that, which was obviously interesting. And uh, she, we then talked to her about how she ended up here. And she talked about that, you know, being on a, a random island because it was the only uh, place she could get film, you know, film experience in, like running a cinema. And it was this tiny cinema in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And like, you know, and then she lived in Scotland for a while. And like, you know, and it was just, it was so, like that, that was to me just as interesting as our job. Mm-hmm. You know, our job was interesting, which obviously makes sense, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and that ultimately, in a roundabout way, you know, leads us to kind of talk about this openly, mm-hmm. is why we do a show mm-hmm. where we talk about mental health openly, because that's kind of the point, is that it's it's given people the comfort to kind of talk about themselves, mm-hmm. and that essentially is what mental health means. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, the, it's the idea of, 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 of giving people the, the, the belief and the respect that they can talk about whatever they want, and they won't get the whole sort of stigma of, you, you know, why are you talking about that? Because it's so ridiculous, it seems. Yeah. You know, I think you this is the point you were getting at. It seems ridiculous to me that in the 21st century, you... To do a show about mental health is still considered like wow, that's rare. Um, I, I that that's what I find most um bizarre about our situation is that it's still like taboo to talk about something that every human being that's ever existed has dealt with. Um, that that that, that to me, in a really basic sense, summarizes why it's silly. I think it's a huge um, step just to have a show based on that entire in its yeah. entirety because. If anything else, mental health might just get a five-minute segue on a on a show all about health in general, mm. where most like ninety percent of it will be on like physical health. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a ten percent we can just nudge in for mental health. Yeah. Right at the end, then bring it back. And hopefully it'll reach a point where that sort of balance that balances itself out because yeah you're quite right is that there's far too much you know talk about you know being physically fit and all that kind of thing and which is obviously important and that's one of the um, great things that yeah. I like about the shows because I I'm, I I feel like I'm on a learning curve and yeah the 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 line between mental mental health and physical health actually becomes blurred and you find out that one affects the other and vice versa. So. Mm-hmm. I really yeah it's funny you say that because I most definitely. Uh, think that that's our underlying like um power that we have and i, I use power I, I say power in a reserved way because i don't want to um have i don't want to use power in a in a in a, in a i don't, don't really like that terminology but but my, but i guess my point is is that the fact that we are kind of open and frank about the fact that we do a mental health show is it leads us to kind of ask things that in a normal conversation might be considered uncomfortable or not our business i guess because you know, we've had people. You know, like the 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 lady who um whose kid was autistic, who she defended on social media, mm-hmm. and we like had the opportunity to say what is autism, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of stuff. Because obviously, you can get documentaries that are a lot more specific than than ours. Mm-hmm. But you know, I imagine people who do have an ignorance about these things would probably look at an autistic documentary and go, I have no interest in that, why would I watch that? And that, in a way, proves exactly the reason that we do this show. It's because if people have an ignorance, 
it is basically them sort of saying, I under no circumstances want to know more about this subject or um, it doesn't interest me or whatever it is. And it's finding the loophole of something that they are interested in mm-hmm. that gives them the emotional motivation mm-hmm. to learn about something that they don't already know. And it's the acquiring of knowledge that mm-hmm. I think is the most um, worrying yeah, aspect of, thing of with, things. With, yeah. You mentioned also, it's a similar thing with homelessness. It's like... Um, We've talked about this before in previous shows, and I, I know I did a thing, a segment on the last show, uh, the news section, how different cities were tackling this issue. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, there's an ignorance there because, you know, most people would walk past a homeless person, you know, yeah. someone in the street. But if that person was, for example, laying in the street because they had a broken leg uh-huh. or, you know, had, had a visual, a visual physical injury or something, mm. you'd have a gathering of people waiting to help. Yeah. And we've uh, we've had people from you know experts on homelessness who said vast majority of reasons why a person is homeless is because of mental health reasons. Yeah. So there's an ignorance there if we're walking past someone who clearly might have an issue there, but we choose to ignore it. Yeah, I remember when we had a representation for the homeless charity. Do you remember what the charity was called? I think it was De- you talking about DePaul? Was yeah, that was who, the one. Yeah. Who did the sleepover? Yes, yeah, DePaul. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, yeah, so when we had to fall on, um, we we um, it gave me the opportunity to say, and I remember it was the thing that I, you know, obviously I have stuff in my head in terms of interviewing people of what I think what I would ask in a personal sense. And I said, quite frankly, I remember that show quite vividly because I turned around and said, you know, if a homeless person comes up to you. Um, and I'm aware that I do this and it's really hard because there's a lot of people now in the Newcastle area because that's where we're based in England and um, this happens to me whenever I'm in town as in mm-hmm. like mainstream town like in, in the middle and centre of Newcastle mm-hmm. is that you get people coming up asking you for money and you mm-hmm. can't like ascertain whether they're homeless or not mm-hmm. as, and I get I, I, I'm i really freaked out by how often that's happening whenever and I'm, I don't go to town very often and you know there's people you know stopping me and saying can you spare a pound mate and whatever and I'm like you want you know and you get into that mindset of if I if I gave a pound to everyone who came up to me then I would have like no money myself mm-hmm. kind of thing and all that sounds weird to say but my, my the, the, the real point I'm making is like you like Ricky was saying is how do you how do you establish who actually is a genuine person who has problems and is homeless mm-hmm. to somebody who's trying to sort of swindle, you know, the generosity of somebody and taking money off them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember asking the the poor charity that, and they gave you know pointers about you know what you should do, and you know, and also the stereotype that you know I've come across with my friends and whatnot is that they go, oh, you shouldn't help a homeless person because they have an addiction or they have problems, and you're exasperating that situation. And I'm going, but surely. If you are a moral person and you care about other human beings and you have like the empathy for that, is that you would want to help a homeless person? So what's the solution? And and, and it's great because I'm basically saying this show gave me the opportunity to ask that in an environment that wasn't like me, essentially people saying, oh, Stephen's not a nice person because he won't help a homeless person. Because that's not what I was saying at all. Mm-hmm. And um, So that's a good example of what this paragraph is. I think that mm. we've reached a stage in, in the national conversation is that <clears throat> how do you go about helping is... If you give any amount of small change, does that exasperate the problem that a homeless person has? Exactly. Or yeah. do you provide them some sort of temporary relief, you know, at least, or a meal <coughs> towards whatever they might need next, whether it's a meal or a fix or whatever? But, you know, me being honest and open, I do on occasion give whatever change. Sometimes I don't like being accosted straight away. If somebody jumps out and says, Have you got any change? I'm, 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 I'm immediately in defensive mode. Yes. No, no, sorry, I've got to move on, I've got nothing on me. 
But if I'm if I'm on the street and I see someone in the distance who, and then you you do that thing, don't you, where you sort of check <laughs> your pockets to see if you have. Got yeah, I never you, I never normally do. Yeah. You know. Then I would give, and sometimes yeah. I even give. Um, sometimes on the back of bus tickets, you get like a meal deal, don't you? Yeah. And, stuff. and I, if I've got any of them on me, I give them as well. But hey, I know different councils have different ideas. They might say, well, that doesn't really help. Give money to charities or things instead, but. I think it's I think it's down to the individual. If you're willing to help there and then, yeah, just just do it. You know, yeah, no, totally. Um, and yeah, it's a very it's a it's a very different difficult situation. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of when I took my mom to um, the RVR yesterday because she's uh, she was getting a, a finger checked because she broke a finger a few weeks ago, and uh, and yeah, um, there was a guy when I got the metro back because I had to be back in uh, in uh, Wall's End. Uh, for my dog and various other things um so i got the metro back and a guy as i was getting my ticket came up to me and i immediately as he was saying hit the defensive mode because he came up to me and went you know excuse me mate can you do me a favor and it kind of like gets sinister tone and i just went oh, i'm in a rush mate sorry and, he, and I, the reason i i remember it and i ended up like kind of smiling and but it was because it was quite rude as he went Oh, like that, and like tutted. <laughs> he like tutted at me, like you know, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a horrible person. And I just went, "Is that really unbelievably rude?" And I'm like, "But then I might have been unbelievably rude by ignoring his request because he could have asked me yeah. anything." But again, it's just this defensive thing. I, find that, I knew I, that I he was going to say. In um, London, when yeah. I'm when I'm trying, you know, the the tube and the metro up here is not when you've got anxiety is not the best place to be. Yeah. And sometimes you're in a one-track mind, you just want to get from A to B with as less hassle and less fuss as possible. Uh-huh. So anyone who comes in and asks you the most basic, simple thing, you're like, oh, just leave me alone, mm-hmm. I need it, you know. But yeah, and then you get the tuts and you think afterwards, well, I could have been a, I could have been a lot better, I could have been a bit more polite. Yeah, because so as, so as Ricky was saying, just because I know we, gave, we just gave some brief ideas of what stuff we've done mentally sound-wise, is um yeah is that uh, we we are essentially about you know doing a doing a show um you know having guests on you know whether it be charity based or people who talk about their own lived experiences so that gives you a rough idea and as I said I don't know quite know what shows we're up to but quite a lot I think we're in our twenties we're, we're, we're approaching thirty yeah oh yeah I was gonna say we're in our twenties yeah I thought so so we've done like twenty plus shows because mm-hmm. we're a once a month show um so this is gonna be a one off special. Um, but yeah, so so that so, so hopefully that gives you a rough idea of the the type of shows that we do. Um, but yeah, what I wanted to sort of talk about, uh, just to make it as current as possible, is I'm I, I'm I, you know obviously I'm assuming Ricky's you know can talk about this as much as he he's willing to. But we were talking about just before we were on the air because me me and Ricky talk quite often, is that uh, we've been helping our mothers through uh, situations. And um, I asked my mom for permission to talk about this because my my mom ma- my mom's very like um, I haven't got permission, bro. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Um, I just felt bad because like you know it, it is a person's privacy at the end of the day. Um, and my mom's kind of going through it and kind of accepting it for the first time. And I said to her, I think that would be a really good subject matter to bring up on the show because you know my mom's seventy two, and you know she's like doing therapy for the first time. Um, and she's sort of like, you know, having help for our depression, which if I was being frank with, and I know she already knows this, so I'm not telling tales out of school or anything like that, because, you know, buying her back going, well, let me tell you what she's really like, um, <laughs> is, uh, you know, because that's not really what I mean at all, uh, is I'm just saying, to me, it seems pretty obvious to me in the years that I've known her, obviously, I've known, you know, because she gave birth to me, she's known me in my, my entire life, is that... Um, 
I think she's been depressed way before this before and had periods of time where she was very depressed. Um, but she's very much of a generation where you don't talk about it and you you know you hold on to it to the detriment of the uh, to the of themselves. And you know, and I think part of it is down to as well being a parent is that you know they 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 put that to one side for the sake of their children, um, which you know is a loving thing to do, but not a healthy thing to do uh, for the individual. So it's an interesting situation because, as I said, my mom's seventy-two, and I think I'm basically bringing this up to go against the you know when people say this thing of you know uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks and you know like people get set in their ways. Um, I'm really quite proud of my mom for the fact that she's accepted what she's going through and as difficult as it is for her and she has really really bad times with it and she's going through a bad time is the fact that she is aware that something's wrong with her and she's not like fighting against the idea that she's not well um, because that that's what depressed people can do is like you know the first step as I'm sure is obvious to say is acknowledging you have a problem and she's being very honest about that from the beginning you know when we've said is what's wrong and she's like I think I'm depressed so um, you know but she's getting help for it because you know? the, the, the year that you had last year was particularly tough yes and that's had an impact doesn't it yeah yeah basically she lost her uh, her um you know our older sister um which we think is part of the part of the reason um you know so we, the reason we got her a counselor as a grief counselor because you know my mom's part of a generation like i was just saying and i i don't want this to sound stereotypical but i do think it's kind of true um is that is that my mom? I can just go off what my mom's like, and my dad's the same. Um, you know, and I, I know quite a lot of people like my mom. Like, I can give you an example. My mom's best friend had breast cancer, and she didn't tell my mom until after she got cleared. Mm. And my mom was really upset with her over that. Mm. And I went, that is exactly what my mom's generation is like of not making people worry and you know but i just like think of the scenario of what if that went reverse and she got so sick and then told her like you know as she was you know struggling and dying maybe that she then turned to my mom and said yeah the modern generation be the same yeah probably but um but i don't necessarily think that's healthy um yeah but you you put your it's a thing it reminds me of my dad in a way because you know he he had this he had this disease but Rather than kind of be open and open and honest about it with other people, you don't. He had that notion of uh, putting yourself last and other people first. So it was more mm-hmm. about you don't want to worry other people basically. Yeah. Um, but how is your mum? Uh, she's getting better. Um, uh, she's part of. I didn't. I wasn't even aware of this. So I'm going to give them a shout out because I wasn't aware this even existed. But she's now currently under the care of the mental health team for elderly people, which I didn't even know was a thing. So it's an actual Pacific. Um, a, a Pacific um, organization to deal with just my mom's age, like sixty plus, I think it is. You get them um, yeah, I had no idea, um, and that's what my G- RGP had referred her to. So that was obviously like hugely, hugely good. Um, so yeah, so um, uh, she basically um, had a situation where she decided she, in a depressed rage, rang my sister and said I'm not taking my Parkinson medication anymore, which obviously she just can't do. Um, that would lead to far more worse problems. So um, obviously that led to us, you know, rallying around as a family and, and trying to, you know, help her through and figure out why she had that feeling. 
and it coincides, which is why we think this is what's going on, is this started in September of last year, and my, my auntie, her sister, passed away on, like, August 20, 21st, I think it was, um, something like that, because it was a day after our 80-something birthday. So I think that's, yeah. quite understandably, you know, made my mum think about, like, our own mortality and, and you know, losing a, losing a sibling is not the same. Like, my sister tells me this all the time. It's not the same as losing, like, you know, your parents because your parents are significantly older than you, you know, so you can't accept that. I'm not saying it's any any more easier, but you can understand it because, you you, you, it, you, you if you're self-aware enough, it's obvious that you're going to be, you know, you're gonna your parents are going to die before you are. Um, close yes. And it, my yeah. my mum lost her sister last year as well, but yeah. she lived in India and they've not really had a good bond. Yeah. yeah. Well, like yeah. So so um, I mean, my mum's just a very compassionate person, so it 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 always affects her when stuff like this happens. Um, it's one of the great things about her. Um, but she takes things very hard because of that. So so yeah. So so she's been going through a difficult period of time. Um, but like as I said, she's been getting a lot of help. She now has a carers that come in uh, twice a day. Um, which we're debating whether what times are the best way forward. Um, we we potentially might be paying for it. So so she's getting a lot of help uh, in regards to that. But the 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 sort of stress it's had on me, um, to be frank and open, which is what the show's about, is just I have to go to her house every day, every night, uh, for quite a while, like to sort of get her ready for bed mm-hmm. and to put her medication out for the next day, mm-hmm. and that obviously. You know, and, and and also going to a ton of appointments because you know she's got a counselling appointment, she's got doctor's appointments, she's got the RVI stuff because when she broke her finger, and because I'm more freely available than my other siblings are, is that I'm like kind of being lumbered with all this responsibility, and I'm obvi- and I'm constantly bringing social workers, and I'm bringing her pharmacist to get the medication, and just it it really does feel like I'm sort of an out of out <laughs> like an, an outpatient carer or something like it's what it, I, in a way I feel like I am a carer but like. In, in in another house, so um, that's the aspect of it that is hard to uh, keep going with. But at the same time, you know, I I think it's important for me to say on this program is to say it's not doesn't I no point of like have the approach of well I'm just going to give up, and it really comes down to, and I know some people might not want to hear this, mm-hmm. but it is really I think the reality and truth of the situation is that. It is. It is. It all comes down to how much you care about the person you want to help. Yeah. I, I, I hate saying that because you know there's people who have in my life who I wanted them to help me and they decided I wasn't worth that. And ultimately, whether people like it or not, that is essentially what it is. Um, uh, is there something going on with your phone? You keep looking I'm at it. Social media. I'm putting time to talk out there. What we're oh right, doing. that's cool. Um, I thought like you were getting phoned or something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So um. So yeah. So in a nutshell, um. You know, you can you know, um, decide to get therapy later in life and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm and really intrigued by that. Yeah. Uh, I think mm-hmm. if, you, if you can get back onto the, that team. Yeah, so the, the, the Pacific team for elderly people, because they the reason they actually got referred to them is because they're not sure about what medication to give her for her depression because she gets part of some medication mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And um, So I mean, like, because what's interesting, I just quickly, because uh, feel free to talk about this as much as you want. I mean, we've got, like, about five minutes left. Is... Um, you know, because your mom's going through. Did she get a hip or hip replacement? She had a knee replacement. Knee replacement, yeah. yes. And um, um, yeah, well, it's it's straightforward. And mum, she's a very timid lass. So she, but she's brilliant. Um, she's never she's never had any major health problems since um, childbirth because 
they often talk about childbirth at the hospital they say oh you know uh, you know you've had three kids so this will be nothing compared to that you know blah 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 but it didn't stop my mum with her nerves and everything and of course mum did have postnatal depression when she had me which is why when I had my breakdown recently we've become a little bit closer because we kind of recognise what <coughs> each other's symptoms and and, 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 and whatnot. and um but on a personal level um you see I cared for my dad when he was terminally ill and when he when the image the image of him sort of you know in pain uh, you know in the hospital um was something that I kind of like you know put put in a certain section of my mind I know it's there it's ingrained but when I see my mum in pain and I know it's you shouldn't really con con compare and contrast because they're two different conditions yes. completely but I kind of was getting flashbacks to that mm. so it made it really difficult to 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 go to the hospital and, and see that and uh uh, you know, I was, I was, I was. Uh, people were telling me all the time, "Don't compare," because they're two different things. But it's something that you can't help when you see a parent in pain. It, it kind of brought it all back. But in a, but in a, but in a sense, though, I mean, because the reason I asked you, because I'm curious to know whether you think this, mm -hmm. is um, because uh, I, I'll get to I, I'll get to what I'm about to, I guess, plug in a sense, because I I did a, I recorded a pod, someone else's podcast yesterday as a guest. And it was all about mental health, so I'll get to that in a second. Um, but what I wanted to ask you in relation to your mum is because you said earlier about, like, you know, the majority of, like, the, the health that's talked about in sort of media sense yeah. is, all is like, mostly physical. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm always fascinated to know, because I made this point yesterday, is that, and we've talked about this on this show before, is that, yeah, physical um, health and, like, limitations because of, you say, say you broke a leg. Yeah. Is that that's obviously difficult, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't think people talk about enough that even in physical situations, the mental aspect, the mental effect that it has on oh, you, yeah, is is kind of like just as important. Yeah. So I'm curious to know because obviously a knee replacement. Um, my uh, my girlfriend's dad had a hip replacement and he's got had issues because it takes time to heal, doesn't it? It takes a while, mm -hmm. um, for it to like fully set in. Mm -hmm. Um, so she's had to like you know drive him around and all this kind of thing. So um. So, like, what's the mental health side of it? Like, does she, does she, has she been affected in the sense yeah, that she does, think, she feels um, like, you know... My mum has, she does have depression and she, she's, she's been on antidepressant medication for a good while now. And yeah. Probably, probably the majority of the time since my dad's passing. So, with, and she often goes through that, particularly at night, and she often gets up in the middle of the night. But now she's getting up in the middle of the night because of the pain as well. So yeah. it's almost like a combined thing. Yes, exactly. Of mental yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you just have to drill it into them that, you know, this pain is expected. And the fact is, she's doing really well. To see her on, to, you know, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, what will, you, what will your mum be like on crutches? I'd be like, ah, nah, she would But to see her on crutches now, going upstairs, downstairs, she's doing really well. I'm, I'm actually really proud of her. Mm. But there, there are times when she gets incredibly pessimistic and she'll talk about a pain when in reality we take a step back. Mm -hmm. As I was telling you outside, um, you know, she's, she's doing good progress. And on the other side to this, and I think you'll appreciate this as well, um, <clears throat> I've also, have, I mean, I've always had respect for carers. Mm -hmm. But now that me and, me and yourself have been like almost full-time carers over the last few weeks, I have so much appreciation for them, for what they do, um, the round-the-clock round care that they do for people, um, I've had social services come round and, and give my mum, you know, a bath, shower, and mm -hmm. cook meals and whatnot. And I just think they're amazing. They don't get the, the, to me. They're the unsung heroes of society, particularly the young ones, because the young young carers have had to sacrifice a lot in their lives. You know, like social social life, 
um, education, that sort of thing, to look after sick parents. And it just when you're in that, so you know like that the old cliche, you don't know until you've been in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Now that I have been in their shoes, um, yeah, just they just don't get enough credit. Yeah. to have to do that. So I think you've got some really good carers because it's 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 been like you know not the same. I mean, it's too much to get into, but it's not been the same for. Well, it's uh, quite a uh, toll trying yeah. to get aftercare because aftercare yeah. services have been severely cut. Yeah. Um, so we've had to go through and getting them to do what you want them to do is 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 problematic because in our situation when my mum lost the right to control her medication mm-hmm. and became our responsibility as a family that's the reason I go every night yeah. is that it's very hard because you've got to go through the social worker to do any changes because yeah. my mum's lost the right to make our own decisions and um, that's 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 hard um so the, and the carers only do what the care plan says. Yeah. So you know, would understandably because of legal reasons and whatnot. But it is it, that's the most stressful yeah, aspect. Yeah, I also get to put physio yeah. uh, on my CV because that's what I've been to me. <laughs> I do yeah. part-time physio as well. Don't blame me. Yeah, that again. sounds about right. Um, but yeah, so um, it's just a, it's obviously like a very relevant time for me and Ricky because we've been helping literally loved ones through a uh, depressive cycle. Yeah. Well, yeah, in a way, yeah. yeah. Um, so we've been talking about that off air quite a, quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so as we said, we were on we were on the air today because we're just going to wrap things up now because we've got a few minutes left. It's to just say we were on the air for um, uh, Time to Talk Day, um, which we were on Time to Change's website. So a huge thank you to them for promoting us to be on. We hope people caught us on this live edition on in the Spice FM studios. And like we said, just I guess to plug, um, like I said, um, I guess a few plugs that we do at the end of the show. Um, I did a, a show um, called The Engage Podcast, which is a Star Trek podcast, and I did it last night. And we talked about Star Trek and mental health. So the whole point of the show, which is going to be released on wed- next Wednesday, I've been told. Um, so look out for that on iTunes. Um, and the reason that it's uh, relevant is because uh, we talk about mental health in Star Trek and how mainstream media and whatnot is really useful and efficient. And uh, I really encourage people to listen to that because mm-hmm. having mainstream media like Star Trek, which has been around since the 60s, there's tons of examples of them talk- doing mental health in, in episodes. So uh, we talk about that openly and frankly, and it's, it's um, you know... Uh, it's had a huge effect on Trekkies and people who are like Star Trek and because it's popular enough. Mm. I thought it was a very, very interesting angle and we got loads of loads of like you know good points out of it. So I encourage people to listen to that. Mm. Our next show is a week tomorrow, um, which I believe is the 9th. That's the 9th, yeah. Yes. The 9th of uh, February, 12 till 2 p.m., live on Spice FM 98.8 FM. So please do tune into that as well. Um, and uh, yes, like we say, um, I haven't had a chance to release... Uh, last uh, this month's show and we're going to release this one too so, sorry last month's show and uh, we're going to release what's left of today as well probably around about the same time yeah. Um, but yeah as we just said huge like you to Spice for giving us the opportunity to talk on um, you know on the t- on to time to talk day um, please do Talk about mental health amongst people. Absolutely. And that's the reason we did this, is to show that yeah. is to showcase our show. So yeah. please do listen to our show in the future and obviously on iTunes. And a uh, huge thank you for like Ricky for the time and, t- and uh, Ricky it was Ricky's idea, so huge kudos to him um, for coming up with it. And Welcome. like we say, please do discuss mental health, be open about it, be honest with it, and hopefully you'll reach and a let's point not where just confine it to one day, you know. Yes. Let's make every day a time to yes. day, yeah. Yeah. 
And, uh, and in particular for us, every second Friday, it's 12 to 2 p.m. Well, huge thank you. Thank you for listening to Mentally Sound. I've been Stephen, uh, and that, a huge thank you to Ricky. And to play us out, we're going to obviously play some hands, and then we're going to play Eric Clapton, I've Got a Rock and Roll Heart, because I just saw it, on, uh, um, I saw it on the database, and I thought it'd be fun. So huge thank you, guys. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you tomorrow, uh, uh, a week tomorrow, um, February 9th, 12 to 2 p.m., for our, our real... Uh, February mentally sound. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Cheers. Bye.